I don't remember how this show starts. Oh god, I'm gonna have to plug something. You don't have to plug anything. You just say you can just say nothing to plug today. You gotta use that exact cadence. <laughs> <laughs> work on it. Alright. Uh yeah, so the way this works is you two say your names and then I will introduce the show. And then I will ask you if you have anything to plug. Yeah. Nothing to plug today. <laughs> Topic Lords. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Alex. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Nope, I got nothing to plug today. <laughs> you said, that's not how, that's not how we agreed it. you would say it. <laughs> Nothing to plug today. That's more like Thank it. you. This is what the listeners crave. You gotta sound like you're a motor that's been just been turned off while you're saying this sentence. <laughs> hey. Uh, Shannon, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm gonna plug donating blood. The I hear that they need it right now, more than normal. I'm not allowed because I pass out from even the lightest thing, and the nurse on the phone very, very kindly told me that I shouldn't come because I'm a huge wuss. But if you can... Wait, is it contagious? Are they... (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, is it contagious? Are they afraid that, like, if they give your blood to somebody, they will also pass out at the slightest (laughs) inconvenience? They will also become a huge wuss. Yeah. Uh, No, I think the issue is more that they don't want to deal with somebody passing out and seizing while they're also trying to collect blood from multiple people. Yeah, okay. All right. She she just very kindly said, it just means you have a very healthy vasovagal response. And I was like, okay. That's that's good yeah. to know. Still not allowed, though. Is selling blood a thing? I feel like that's either a thing or has been a thing historically. I'm sure it has been. Ben. Because, like, what if you want to give blood, but you want to get some money out of it instead of, like, a bag of chips, which is what they normally give you, or, like, a fruit? I hear that the snack quality has increased quite a bit. Oh, um, that's good. They're getting all brownie brittle now, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, like, pretty high-quality little snacks. Um, but the problem with selling blood is really just, like, you have to have the means by which to store blood appropriately which involves apparently separating the blood platelets from the plasma or the cells from the plasma right you can't just go sell your blood to anybody with a needle you have to like have a way to store it oh yeah no this would be like it wouldn't be like i'm not saying you would sell it to like somebody on the street with a needle (laughs) (laughs) okay that's what i was imagining they would have to have a needle and some brownie brittle oh yeah (laughs) yeah i've had some pretty good like blood soup and stuff right like Ew. maybe i don't think it was human Not blood, blood. <laughs> i mean i couldn't understand what the waiter was saying so i don't know that right. honestly part of the reason i want to go is because i don't know what my blood type is and i would really like to know but apparently that's just not something that one gets tested for really and if you do want to know what it is you would have to order a specific blood test for that purpose which is strange to me yeah, I I know what my blood type is, but I have no idea how I found out. Hmm. I'm pretty sure we did a blood type test in uh, in high school bio, except we weren't allowed to use our own blood, so we had to use fake blood, like food coloring with with chocolate syrup. It was like synthetic fake blood that you could do a blood type on, but it wasn't real blood because diseases. Right. Yeah. I feel like we did that with real blood, but I got opted out because my whole thing. Right. Yeah, if you ever found out what your blood type was, you'd pass out. (laughs) Anyway, in all seriousness, uh, there's a pretty serious shortage of blood available right now, so if you are able to give blood, please go ahead and donate. You'll get great snacks. I hear the snacks are good. Is brownie brittle the kind that's like, it's like brownies, but they break like glass in your mouth? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. That sounds nice. I've got a bag of brownie brittle in the kitchen. I'm really trying to not get up and go get it and crinkle it right into the microphone for you to enjoy. Ah, <laughs> uh, you could plug them. Mm. Yeah, I've heard brownie brittle is really good, and I think I know where to get some. <laughs> Are we ready to start on some topics? Let's. Shannon, your topic is regional trash animals. Regional trash animals. 
So trash animals are some of the best animals. Trashimals, for short. Trashimals, yeah. I think probably the most well-known trash animal here in uh, the U.S. of A is the trash panda, um, also known as the raccoon. But the regionality is really what I'm interested in, because everyone has trash animals everywhere in the world, but they're not the same animals. Many times I've had the experience of going to a different country or even sometimes just a different state, and there'll be all these animals around that I am just delighted by. Yep. I am enjoying the heck out of seeing all these animals that I don't normally get to see, and everyone who's there goes, ugh, yeah, they're everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definitely animals that we have that are that caliber, too. But it just sort of fascinates me how, especially some of the more exotic ones or ones I perceive of as exotic. Yeah, let's, let's give us some examples. Yeah, so um, let's see, some good examples. Well, we were just in Hawaii, which was awesome. And uh, one of the things we saw a lot of were geckos and mongooses. Mongies? Yeah, one of those. Something like that. Both of these are great, but they're just everywhere. In Florida, there's just crocodile or alligators, I guess. Oh, I was thinking Florida, but I was thinking about coconut crabs. Oh yeah, those, those things, things are, are unbelievable. But I don't, I, I like, I didn't run into a lot of coconut crabs. I did run into no. a fair amount of just alligators around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, I lived in Florida for a couple of years, and I never just bumped into either of them on the street. Mm. Or uh, apparently in Australia, the kia parrot is pretty destructive and obnoxious oh it flies yeah, yeah and it will just wreck your car oh no if your car is made of trash what if well, it's a, what it if will, it's a it kia? will trash your car <laughs> right <laughs> car is a kia yeah it's it's viral marketing it goes out and destroys competing brands <laughs> maybe it just maybe that's it you have to get a kia yeah. to protect your car from the kias yeah um monkeys are another one we ran into a lot of monkeys in Thailand and Cambodia. Saw oh. them snatch somebody's camera and they were destroy it. And those ones, I were annoying to me even then. Like they were exotic, but once one of once they start climbing on you and try taking your stuff off of your body, uh, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, didn't right. they steal like snacks. They stole some snacks from me. The snacks, unfortunately, were attached to me with like a carabiner that they couldn't figure out. <laughs> You got to train the monkeys to to undo a carabiner. Well, I'm fully ready to just give him the snacks because he was literally hanging onto my side and shoulder while he was trying to get it off of my hip. <laughs> um, he couldn't figure it out, and I really did not want this. God, they are fearless. That's really remarkable. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't want to reach down and undo the carabiner because I was afraid he would bite me, like thinking that I was trying to get him away from the snacks so i just sort of stood there until he chewed through some some of the plastic <laughs> on the bin and took it yeah other examples are apparently in australia or sorry not australia i always think of australian animals although kangaroos are apparently a menace there too hmm. uh south africa apparently has um issues with penguins nesting in storm drains <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the little, like, fairy penguins from South Africa. Oh my god, fairy penguins. They're adorable. They're great. tiny, but they apparently will try to nest in your storm drain. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a rule, like, any of these adorable animals, they're only adorable, like, when there's one of them. <laughs> well, that's that's part of it, is, like, apparent, like, I was looking at, like, lists of top hated animals, you know? Yeah. And a lot of them are things like raccoons and, and things that get into your trash and stuff. But like up there is, for example, red foxes, which mm. like I feel like I've always had the connotation of red foxes being very like mysterious and majestic. And yeah, they'll I give you know, a quest. Thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. But apparently in uh, in England and places where they have their kind of old school reputation of being livestock thieves people hate them they don't they don't see them as pretty or interesting in any way yeah the quest is give me that chicken <laughs> exactly they just you know and it really seems to come down to uh the overlap with where people live that makes sense yeah but i was trying to think like what animals do we have here that 
other people would come over and be like, whoa, that's crazy. And the only example I could really think of was in San Diego. We lived, my family lived on a canyon and we would pretty regularly get rattlesnakes in the yard. And the way that we dealt with the rattlesnakes was by getting a bucket and a shovel and scooping them into said bucket and then <laughs> driving them over to the military base slash dump and releasing them. <laughs> Put them in the tank <laughs> cockpit. <laughs> Take that, pigs. I, don't, I mean, the military base and the dump were like adjacent and there was a lot of open land there anyway. <laughs> um, but I remember once... As a kid, we had a pretty young rattlesnake, a, a baby that we'd caught, and we had it in a little like glass jar with a thing on top of it. We were just holding it until the evening when we were going to go drive down and, and get rid of it. And for some reason, somebody we knew had like a French person that was staying with them in the country, and they heard we had a rattlesnake, and they wanted to come and see it. Um, and <laughs> oh, so yeah. So random French dude showed up at our house and was just like marveling at this baby rattlesnake we had on our back porch. And I was just like, man, that's so weird that he thinks a rattles like that he thinks having a rattlesnake in a container on your porch is like unique or strange. And then I'm kind of sitting here like, maybe it's a little weird to have a rattlesnake on your porch. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I grew up a couple miles from you and I didn't have rattlesnakes <laughs> in my porch. Yeah, apparently that's a canyon thing. It's a canyon thing. Well, you had a bit of a canyon. Yeah, I was. My canyon was facing the other way, though, so maybe I didn't get the sun that the rattlesnakes like. I don't know. The rattlesnakes loved my yard, um, but they, yeah, I don't know. It's just I try to think about like what sort of animals would be um, interesting to people if they came to visit. Like, which ones would they be like? What is that? You know, like we were just, you know, like I said, we were just in Hawaii. We were loving the mongoose and stuff. I came back home. And we were out for a walk, and I saw an animal climbing a tree. And my first thought was, that is the biggest mongoose. Oh my god. But it was a squirrel. And I think I'd just kind of forgotten that squirrels existed. Oh, is a mongoose smaller than a squirrel? I didn't know that. They are. They're quite small. They're, they're long, but they're svelte. Yeah, they're not like... Yeah, you know, that's big. what I said. When we got there... That that's too small to be a mongoose. I think of a mongoose as being like the size of a goose. I mean, kind of. Like when you hear the bird is called a a kiwi, you assume it's the size of a kiwi fruit. Right. Exactly. It's bigger. Considerably bigger. Yeah. Alex, while also while we were in Hawaii, I was looking for nene, which are the uh, endangered native geese of the Big Island, and we were driving past a uh, park. And I spotted out of the corner of my eye what I thought were Nene, but I was the driver. So I said, Alex, are those them? Are those the geese? And he looked over and he said, no, they're just Canadian geese. Just They look like small Canadian geese. They were, in fact, Nene. And I told Alex such and said, that's not a Canadian goose. That's a Nene. Like, you should have pointed it out so that we could check them out. Anyway, it turns out that uh, Nene are just descendants of Canadian geese that got lost and ended up in Hawaii many, 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 many years ago. So we were both right. Yeah, they are pretty much small Canadian geese. I just did an image search for uh, for Nene. It's not <laughs> at all what I was looking for. How'd that go? Yeah. Does it give you instructions on how to? Uh, apparently, no. This is apparently a, uh, an actor on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Huh. Okay. Who's all over the tabloids. Oh, here's one... Like one picture in the huge field of pictures of some birds. Oh, good. The trash animal that comes to mind for me is one that you can find. Like if you go further afield than than like 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 we're in we're in like the Bay Area, California. If you go off into the wilderness for a little bit, you'll find uh, bears mm. who mm-hmm. bears love trash and uh, they're very much a trash animal. Yeah, and they're one of the more hazardous trash animals. Like, yeah. but, but they are majestic. Like, so I was staying at a, a friend's parents' house in Truckee, uh, and it, over the winter. No, it wasn't the winter. It wasn't the winter because they rent the house out in the winter. It was, uh, the season before winter, whatever you call that. Sure. <laughs> uh, and I was only there for like a month and a half, but I definitely got the experience of 
like looking out the window and seeing like, oh yeah, there's a, I'm pretty sure that's a grizzly. Whoa. Get, <laughs> it was huge. Like Dang. hanging out in the driveway and like someone forgot to close the garage door. So oh no. <laughs> we have to fucking wait for it to leave before we can go down there and close the door. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Do we actually have grizzlies anymore? And I, I yeah, actually, that's a great question. I actually don't know. I could have sworn. Yeah, no, I don't think we have them this far south anymore. But you, what? It was probably a brown black bear. Because did you know that black bears can be brown? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, used to live this far south, but current, uh, they do not anymore. The, the Wikipedia says grizzly bear is not grizzly bear was. So apparently, there are some some still exist. Oh yeah, just oh not. no, they exist, just not here anymore. Oh, I see, just not in California. South, I think the only places you can find them in the United States are kind of in like the Yellowstone area. Okay, yeah. But we get we have a lot of black bears. Oh yeah. We used to encounter them a lot when we would go up to Mammoth for the summer. You had to take your trash down to a like the local dump to dump it. Yeah. And I, I distinctly remember one night when my grandfather did that. And the the lid was open, and he just kind of threw the trash in, and it did, in fact, hit a bear that was in the dumpster, who oh, stood man. up and looked at him, and he just looked at <laughs> the Oh, man. Good times. Yeah, um, th- those houses, that neighborhood in, in Truckee, all the houses had in front of them these uh, heavy-duty wooden cabinets that you could lock, and the idea was that you would put your trash in there. Is that what you call it? Yeah? Yeah, bear, bear box. box. Yeah. But no one ever used them because the bears, they weren't heavy duty enough to keep the bears out. And the bears were like, oh, yeah, that's where the food is. I was thinking, like, I've never heard of a wooden bear box. I've only ever seen them made out of steel. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, this may have been uh, the, the town being mistaken about about <laughs> these bears' capabilities. Yeah, maybe. Speaking of, uh, do you remember, I'm I'm almost sure you were with us. We went camping with uh the two of us me and alex and you and your mother i think this did happen at least once yeah there was a bear box that we had but the lock mechanism was broken so we had stuck a stick in it instead as a pin (laughs) and the raccoons were not confused by that at all uh, I don't know if you remember that, but we came, we heard a bunch of noise and came outside and there were like a bunch of raccoons that had just busted into our bear box and were having a little chow party. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't remember that, but that sounds, that sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like an experience. At least it wasn't bears. It was an experience you had. Possibly. Okay. Could be. I always think about deer. Where, like, when I spot a deer, I'm like, ooh, look at this majestic forest creature. And then I say that to our friends next door who came from Ohio, and they're like, those damn road hazard animals always stomping on flowers and getting hit by cars. Like, screw them. And I'm like, oh, so majestic. (laughs) Well, yeah, deer and geese are, like, the only animals that come anywhere near cities that are, like, that really feel like real nature. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of... Even though they are definitely vermin in many respects, like mm-hmm. there are deer constantly on my street, and I am I'm sure they're they're terrified and lost because <laughs> like deer don't belong on a street. We also get um turkeys, which is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I used to get turkeys a lot in Davis. There was um yeah, there was that mountain lion that came into downtown Berkeley that one time. I was not I did not observe this creature, but it's not where he belongs. Right? No, it's those it belongs in the Berkeley Hills. Mm. I wouldn't categorize a mountain lion as a trash animal, but <laughs> it is one of those things where, like, I don't know. It, I do forget sometimes that like giant cats that can kill you do live here. Yeah, that was an, that was another thing about uh, Hawaii. Actually, was it doesn't have any large mammals. Uh, it doesn't have any snakes. Uh, it does have ticks, but not any that can carry Lyme disease. Oh. It just, it doesn't have a lot of the dangerous animals on land. But they have, they, they have those terrifying <laughs> chickens, though. They do uh, have chickens. That's true. I mean, the scariest thing I ran into on land was a goose. Like, yeah. not not a nene, but, but a regular household goose. Yeah. But my point is, it's just, you know, we were out in a national park, like, after dark, and... 
wandering around and just not worrying at all. And I was like, oh man, I could just like sleep here and I would feel totally safe because what is going to come after me other than mosquitoes, you know? The lava flow. Well, we, yes. That's true. That also did happen, but (laughs) this was actually near the lava that I was thinking this. Probably (laughs) close to the lava. Uh, Are we ready for another topic? Yeah, let's do that. Alex, your topic is dynamic water features. Oh, yeah. So I was down by kind of the shore today on the inside of the San Francisco Bay and just looking out at like this place that's usually like full of water and birds. And today it was just full of birds and all the water was gone. And I was like, what happened to this like marshy area? It's just like full of seagulls and dirt now. And like right across the wall six feet away was like a full marsh when all the birds had gone over there, apparently. And I was just thinking about like that somebody like went in here and turned off like the ocean in this one small part of the bay. And like, that's pretty rude. Is this like a tide pool situation? Well, like it would have been if there wasn't like a regular one six feet away that was totally normal. So it must have been right. And somebody must have drained it. And it reminded me of one time I was a kid in San Diego. We, we did like an overnight thing in the zoo and you could like, I don't know if they still do this. Maybe they do, but you can bring a tent and you just like, you sleep in the zoo. And we picked this spot and like right next to the artificial waterfall. And we we're like, Oh, this is great. We're going to sleep. And there's going to be all this water sound. And they turned the waterfall off <laughs> after dark. Uh, and just like when I was in Niagara falls, I, I turned, I found out that during the day they leave the falls alone, but at night, they divert almost all of the water into a hydroelectric plant. And no. so they tur- almost turn off Niagara Falls. Wow. The scale really? at which people do this is just, I don't know. That was all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> just- when they turned off the waterfall at the zoo, did they, does like the waterfall make a horrible high-pitched whine when it's off? <laughs> no, I think they just like turned off the pumps and everything was fine. Then it was just a pool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, they turn off Niagara Falls? Uh, they just divert most of the water into a hydroelectric plant. So, like, they don't do it during the day because that would be really bad for tourism. Right, right. So they let it go over the falls during the day, but at night, apparently. Do, like, if I didn't know that and I was at Niagara Falls <laughs> and night fell and I was just watching the falls and then it just turned off or a fair amount of it, I would feel like I had seen behind the veil of the conspiracy. Like, it's none of it is real. Somebody created the falls. It was real, and it remains real as long as we let it be real. But, but like, yeah, we we definitely, as a civilization, redirect all water flowing water to generate electricity, unless it pleases us aesthetically, I guess. Yeah. That's wild. And then only if somebody's looking at it actively. <laughs> right, right. It's it's like the uncertainty principle. Yeah. I kind of want to go to Niagara Falls at night now just to like to verify this. Some, I read, I'm sure I read it on a sign in the park or something. But it still sounds really fake to me. It does, but also, I mean, it's free real estate. Like, why not? I guess. That's just That's weird. That's it, huh? Yeah. I just All wanted right. to talk about people stealing the water from where it belongs. I mean, like I bet zoo. the birds are also weirded out by that, too. Yeah, the, the the kinds of animals that remained in the dry part were definitely not the normal mix. It was basically all seagulls standing around looking at each other, being like, what the hell? Like, all the ducks and the... the, the... Oh, seagulls are another good trash animal. Yeah. Seagulls are a good trash animal. Man, we had seagulls at my high school. It was so annoying. Oh, that, that's one thing they didn't have in Hawaii, actually, was there were hardly any seabirds. Yeah, that was weird. Which was pretty strange. Yeah, the sea is right there. Yeah. Right. It, it felt really weird because we kept walking by the ocean and there were no seagull noises. Yeah, that was weird. It was kind of spooky. Are you sure there were no seabirds or were they just completely silent seabirds? The only ones I saw were sandpipers. Um, I think it was one of those instances where a lot of the bird ground nesting birds ended up having their eggs eaten by the mongoose. So <laughs> probably there used to be more seabirds, but it was still surprising to me that like some of the I don't know more ubiquitous worldwide seabirds were not there. I mean, again, it's free real estate. There were a bunch of cliff sides 
places that seabirds like to nest that ha- would have had, well, I guess monkeys are a problem, but other than that, um, yeah. very few predators. But do humans, like, mess with any other things on that kind of a, like, daily cycle scale, though? That just one, that just strikes me as particularly weird, the, the turning off. The, yeah, the weird thing about it is that, like, humans fuck up the world in a lot of ways, but they usually can't turn off the fucking up at the, yeah. the drop of a hat. They can't, like, right. they can't put it back the way it was very easily. That's the part that's weird about it to me. Like, we mess things up all the time in a way that we don't bother to put back. Yeah, or yeah. are not even capable of, really. But on a short scale, I can't think of anything else comparable. It feels a little bit like snowmaking. Okay. Snowmaking, I guess technically um, you could argue that light pollution is that. Kind of. Basically. We could turn off all the lights. We should. If we chose to, yeah, if we decided it was worth worth it. Yeah. I mean, what's the advantage of turning off the lights? Like, so somebody can look up and see the Milky Way. Like, you see it once. You've seen it a thousand times. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Never never had the opportunity. Never had the pleasure. Oh, man. We saw it in Hawaii. Oh, really? Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It was cool. We hadn't seen it. Neither of us had seen it in quite a few years. Yeah. I remember seeing it basically one time when I was pretty young as a kid and we were out in the middle of nowhere, like sitting on a golf course and mostly memorable because the sprinklers came on while we were sitting there. (laughs) But the Milky Way was also very cool. And and like, I almost never see it now. Certainly can't see it from here. Yeah. When I was in Hawaii, I was mostly looking down to make sure Winston didn't die. Yeah, that's fair. That'll do it. I think it also depends where in Hawaii. The Big Island is not very populated pretty sparsely populated Mm -hmm. yeah um so you can see it pretty clearly lots of lots of locations but we went up mauna kea where they have mauna kea i think actually where they have the observatory you know and uh and looked at it from there which was spectacular um and then we could also see the volcano from from the mountain which was uh i don't know like an hour and a half drive away it was pretty wild it was bright red on the horizon pretty cool yeah that sounds cool Sounds like a fun trip. Are we ready for another topic? Let's do it. Uh, my topic is the PP dance is nowhere to be found on Wikipedia. We we know what the PP dance is, right? Yeah, everybody yeah. knows what the PP dance is. That's... Why doesn't it have a Wikipedia? Right. So, in case the listener, like maybe maybe they're maybe they're from another country where they don't pee, uh, this is involuntary motion that you make when you really need to pee, and you kind of like move your hips back and forth. And I don't know if it's just psychological or if there's some physiological thing going on there that makes it easier to hold your pee. And the reason I don't know this is that nobody's ever studied it. Science has failed us because this is not documented anywhere. I I can't believe like this is a, a part of the human condition and part of the human experience. And it belongs on Wikipedia. There's probably some like... 10 syllable medical word for this and that's the reason we can't find it right that's what i'm thinking is is there another name for this that is wikipedable and then we need to make the pp dance redirect to it yeah yeah i don't see how they could be hiding this from us right like this is this is vital knowledge well i found some information related to it not from wikipedia i don't know if i trust it then uh well it's from health.com Whoever has that thing. It, this one claims essentially that what's happening is basically that you're causing contraction of the pelvic floor by wiggling around. Mm. So doing that apparently tightens the sort of muscles around where it would release the urine, which makes it feel a little less urgent, apparently. That makes some sense. Mm. That's just that they want you to think. So this health.com article could be the first article, this first citation for when we create the Wikipedia page for the PP dance. Yeah. So what what sources do they cite on this article that we can plagiarize? <laughs> yeah, well, here's something it does say is, on top of the dance is the squeeze and grab strategy, <laughs> which you mainly see in children. You'll sometimes see little kids squeezing their legs, crossing their legs, or grabbing or squeezing near the crotch. Most adults don't do that in public. (laughs) There's a biological reason behind it. 
Both the penis and the clitoris have lots of nerve endings, and some research shows that when those nerves are stimulated, the sensors in the bladder are inhibited. That makes a lot of sense because the last thing you want when the penis or clitoris is being stimulated is to have a bladder contraction. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I wonder if the anal sampling reflex is also inhibited. I don't know. I don't know what anal sampling is, but it sounds like something you wouldn't want to do in Costco. (laughs) Uh, You want to do it everywhere. So this is something, this is a topic that came up on the podcast before. Um, This is the mechanism that determines whether your anal cavity is filled with air or a solid or a liquid. Okay. There's like a nerve down there, some sort of mechanism that samples, so to speak, the the substance in there and lets you know whether it's safe to fart. Okay. All right. Really? So, okay. So when, huh. So how you can just tell that it is a fart and not a poop. Right. Yes. Also vital knowledge. I just never really thought about why one can tell, although sometimes one is not correct. Right, that's true. Sometimes the mechanism fails. The name is just killing me. I can't stop imagining like a little sommelier in my butt now. <laughs> it's just like, hmm, a fine vintage. I think the, the the joke that I made on the podcast last time was that it was a French DJ. Oh, man. Sampling your butt? <laughs> Lay down this track. <laughs> Oh my god, I have to pee now. Why are you doing this? Oh no. Have you heard of the Mariko Aoki phenomenon? That was a topic as well. <laughs> ah, I see. We haven't done our homework. You basically just did that to me, but with, with the pee-pee dance. Right, yeah. I think it's actually really normal to not document things that everybody knows. Yeah. For example, there are arguments that prior to electric lights it was normal for people to sleep to have two sleeps basically to to go to sleep and then wake up in the middle of the night for an hour or two and then go back to sleep yeah but no one ever wrote down like you know how humans sleep we go to sleep for an for a few hours and then we wake up and then we go back to sleep for a few hours as you know right because everybody knows that shit so no one ever like bothered to document it may maybe it changed and like it just went completely unspoken because everybody knows that we used to sleep like this, but now we sleep like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how whenever you read a recipe, it just says eggs or milk, but when you never write down what kind, right. some, yeah. someday yeah. you're going to be really distressed. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of things that, that fall in that category that we do all the time, but don't, don't think about uh, a lot of ones is particularly about the human body i think like like the pp dance you know um i like i don't know i i was talking to you i think alex the other day about pea shivers you don't mm. know what a pea shiver is yeah winston gets those yeah so i get them a fair amount and it was one of those things where i had no idea what a pea shiver was and then i read an article talking about pea shivers randomly and i read it and went what the heck are they talking about i have no idea what that is and then the next time I went to the bathroom, I had one and went, oh, that's what that is. Hmm. I get these all the time. I had no idea they had a name or were a thing, um, but it just did not even occur to me that it was something to think about until I read somebody else giving them a name. Right, yeah. And it didn't occur to me beyond that until recently to ask other people if they also experienced them because not everybody experiences it, you know, like the opposite of the people who are like, Oh, you know how, when you eat a pineapple, it like feels like your tongue goes numb and you sort of have a hard time breathing a little bit. <laughs> and everyone says, no, I'm pretty sure you're allergic to pineapple. Yeah. It's the, the opposite of that. Yeah. Really have to be. <laughs> you go. Dude. We'll, 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 we'll make do. I, no, I think it's false. I think, I think I've just been convinced that mm. I have to. Don't worry, don't the, have... the microphone won't pick up the flush. Yeah, <laughs> you say that, <laughs> you liar. I'm not. I'm not giving you that audio again. <laughs> That's okay. We'll copy and paste it. No, no, I'm gonna stay. It's okay. I can. I can crotch crab, <laughs> or or do a little wiggle. Okay. Wiggle. All right. As long as the microphone doesn't or does pick up the wiggle. <laughs> 
Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Sure. Uh, for this topic, we're going to be reading the poem The Bells by Edgar Allan Poe. Who would like to read this poem? Ooh, I could read the poem. Take it away. All right. I've got my reading face on. you got a reading face for radio. That would be good. Man, so this poem, I remember reading this poem, I think, in middle school and thinking about it like occasionally since then and being like, man, someday I should probably look up this poem because I still remember it. And I basically have done that for 20 years or however long. Actually, I have no idea how long it's been since middle school. But anyway, apparently it made an impression on me because I thought about it this entire time. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Hear the sledges with the bells, silver bells. What a world of merriment their melody foretells. How they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night. While the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight, keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the tintinabulation that so musically wells. From the bells, 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 bells. From the jingling and the tinkling of the bells. Hear the mellow wedding bells, golden bells. What a world of happiness their harmony foretells. Through the balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight. From the molten golden notes, and all in tune, what a liquid ditty floats to the turtle dove that listens while she gloats on the moon. Oh, from the sounding cells, what a gush of euphony voluminously wells. How it swells, how it dwells on the future, how it tells of the rapture that impels to the swinging and the ringing of the bells, 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 of the bells, 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 to the rhyming and the chiming of the bells. Hear the loud alarm bells, brazen bells. What a tale of terror now their turbulency tells. In the startled ear of night, how they scream out their affright. Too much horrified to speak, they can only shriek, shriek, out of tune, in a clamorous appealing to the mercy of the fire, in the mad expostulation with a deaf and frantic fire, leaping higher, 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 with a desperate desire and a resolute endeavor, now, now to sit or never by the side of the pale-faced moon. Oh, the bells, 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 what a tale their terror tells of despair, how they clang and clash and roar, what a horror they outpour on the bosom of the palpitating air. Yet the ear it fully knows, by the twanging and the clanging, how the danger ebbs and flows. Yet the ear distinctly tells, in the jangling and the wrangling, how the danger sinks and swells, by the sinking or the swelling in the anger of the bells, of the bells, of the bells, 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 in the clamor and the clangor of the bells. Hear the tolling of the bells, iron bells. What a world of solemn thought their monody compels. In the silence of the night, how we shiver with affright at the melancholy menace of their tone. For every sound that floats from the rust within their throats is a groan. And the people, ah, the people, they dwell up in the steeple all alone. And who tolling, tolling, tolling in that muffled monotone feel the glory in so rolling on the human heart a stone. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. And their king it is who tolls, and he rolls, 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 a pan from the bells, and his merry bosom swells with the pan of the bells, and he dances and he yells, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme to the pan of the bells, of the bells, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme to the throbbing of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the sobbing of the bells, keeping time, 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 as he knells 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 in a happy runic rhyme to the rolling of the bells of the bells 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 to the tolling of the bells of the bells 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 to the moaning and the groaning of the bells wow you you nailed that to the wall i've been thinking about it for 20 years apparently <laughs> yeah i don't know how i messed that up it, it sounds like you were practicing for 20 years I definitely didn't memorize it, but, you know. Right. Now, that's Edgar Allan Poe, yeah? Oh, yeah. The thing I was thinking about while listening to that was, ah, that does sound like Edgar Allan Poe. He has a way of doing his poems, and that way is not that dissimilar to Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess Poe is sort of an emo proto-Dr. Seuss. Hmm. Emo Seuss. Yeah. That is an intense poem. There's a lot yeah. going on there. Right. Yeah. And I like how it gets more intense as it goes on. Like each section gets longer and longer and more frantic. Yeah. 
I feel like probably when you're reading that last one, you're supposed to read it a bit slower, but it just feels like, yeah, the intensity feels like I should be reading it more quickly. I don't know. Yeah, that felt right to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I remember when I read it the first time, I was like, wow, this is really cool. What he's like using these like tinkly words for the silver bells and like, you know, different kind of words for the alarm bells and really just like changing up the the cadence of the lines in a way that's like, I, don't know, I just thought it was really cool. I'm not like a huge poetry expert here, obviously, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a show about people who don't normally read poetry, diving into a poem and trying to say anything erudite about it at all. All right. Well, well that's I me. Said emo Dr. Seuss. So I, yeah, your, <laughs> your job here is done. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a poem about bells and you know, it's written by Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. So I immediately had this, you in my head of what type of bells we were going to be dealing with and they were going to be melancholy bells and we got there we got there we got there but it didn't actually i remember being surprised at the very beginning of the poem that he was talking about it sounded like sleigh bells or you know bells that were more associated with happy things yeah it runs the gamut of all the things bells can be Exactly. Yeah. And that that was what really surprised me about it. I thought it was going to I, I don't know, it it just it hadn't really occurred to me that bells can evoke different types of feelings. Yeah. I thought that I don't know, it was just interesting to me that I had these preconceived notions of what this writer would do with this particular object and sound uh and instead they quite reminded me that actually this object and sound can do many different things. Yeah, I think that's another thing I liked about the poem was just like it, and translating that experience into words was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It actually starts kind of frantic just because of the the repetition of the word bells at the end of each section. Yeah. there, Yeah, there get to be more, more re repetitions of the word bells at the yeah. end of the section in later sections. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it does, like, does, it does ramp up intensity. But even eight of them, it, it's enough to feel like you're going slightly insane just listening to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely had to like scan my finger across the bells as I was reading them to get the right number of bells, which I probably did. Yeah, yeah. There, Esper can fix it. Did the number of bells increase uh from section to section? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in the first one it's 8, in the second one, well, it's 8, but before that it says of the bells bells bells, and then it yeah. goes on to say that the same 8 that was in the previous one. The second to last one is more and also is preceded by a couple of of the bells. Yeah, yeah, there's just there's so many bells at the end of that one. I definitely had the thought of ha have we increased the number of times we're saying bells or does it just feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Now we don't have to do the raven. Yeah. Yeah, that one's fine. I don't know. Like that's a good poem. I think it's good, but it, well the thing is it's it's too long. I think this one was bordering on too long. Yeah, but, it was know, pushing just, it. Just made a call, but the Raven is, like, I think, much longer than this. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody did a uh, was it a filk? Yeah. They redid the Raven on Tumblr. Oh jeez, it, yeah. it was really funny. The, the Raven in the style of All Star by Smash Mouth. No, uh, the, the no. Raven in the style of some... incomprehensible in jokes. No, you're thinking of the Jabberwock. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, this one was about. Um, like a well actually type of individual. Nice. Ah, oh, the the sea lion. Another trash trash animal, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh I doubt I can find it, but it was it was um it was a good one I thought. Well you can put it on the show next time. Yeah, next time if I can find it. If we're still doing poetry. Yeah, it moves fast here on Topic Lords. Yeah, I can't believe last time I watched that whole music video without realizing that I knew the song the whole time. <laughs> that was really right, great. Because we had it muted, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun surprise when I accidentally encountered the music video you, later. You just didn't know, you, you'd heard the song, but you didn't know what they were slamming in the back of. Exactly. It's not a word you usually hear. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, I can understand how I might not have interpreted it, yeah. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh, Alex, your topic is recipe essentialism. Oh, yeah. So, like, I do these, like, weekly dinners 
and we've got a bunch of people and everyone has different dietary restrictions. And so like in the process of looking for recipes, sometimes I'll go from recipe blog to recipe blog. And like, once you start eliminating certain ingredients, it's like, well, would you like to eliminate other ingredients? And so eventually you take this to some ridiculous extreme and you end up with like this recipe I was looking at the other day. I haven't made it yet, but I bought the ingredients. It's a recipe for a cake. It has two ingredients. None of them are cake ingredients. The recipe, like, the, it has a photo of them having prepared it. It looks exactly like a white cake with frosting. Uh-huh. Wait, wait. One of the ingredients is frosting. Uh, okay, that's <laughs> a third ingredient they didn't count. <laughs> okay, so they, right. they said they, it, it's actually, um, what do you call it? Cool Whip or something. <laughs> they said you can optionally put Cool Whip on it to make it look like frosting. Right. The cake itself does not contain, you know, flour, butter, eggs, sugar, or any normal cake ingredient that you could possibly imagine. It contains applesauce and gelatin. This is not a cake. They call it a cake, and it kind of looks like a cake. But now I'm like, I'm off on these weird tangents where I made cookies the other day. These were, you know, whatever, keto something something cookies. They were supposed to be banana cookies. They also had two ingredients. They were not butter, sugar, flour. They were banana and peanut butter. <laughs> this is also not a cookie. It looks like a cookie. And yeah. Anyway, this, this this whole concept of like, can you still call this th this cake a cake, and can you call this cookie a cookie? I don't know. It yeah. seems wrong. Well, so one of the recipes that you might see uh, going around is banana pancakes, mm. and the idea of the banana pancake is that you take a banana and you mash it into a paste and form a pancake out of it. And then you fry it in like butter and you add, you know, you add like cinnamon and cloves and vanilla. Okay. And the reason you can call this a pancake is that a pancake is just like, in addition to being the, the food that you call a pancake, a pancake is also like a shape. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a, fo a food form factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious how this cake is going to turn out. I imagine it's going to be like Jello because it's that's all that's in it is freaking gelatin and <laughs> applesauce. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then there's the also the um, the three ingredient peanut butter cookies. But that's one more ingredient than mine had. Right, right. Uh, I believe the ingredients are peanut butter, sugar, and one egg. Like I think it's a cup of peanut butter, a cup of sugar, and then, and a single egg. Nice. And it is. Pretty close, like it's it's decent, you know. I've tried this okay. recipe, and a, a cookie comes out. And if you you like, you gotta mash the the crosshatch shape in with a fork, and then yeah. it's a convincing peanut butter cookie. Huh? Okay. Um, it's not it's certainly not the best peanut butter cookie I've ever had, but if you count like the effort put into it, it's <laughs> it's pretty impressive. What this makes me think of, I, I found a book at a friend's house that was, I don't know if it was intended to be like a coffee table book, but I ended up being like obsessed with this book. And it was a book was, what was it called? It was called the easy cookbook made over a hundred satisfying recipes made with four ingredients or less. Whoa. Oh, not, not the same four ingredients. Yeah, no, not the same four ingredients. Okay. That sounds a lot less impressive, but okay, go on. Yeah. So here's, here's an example of the recipe of a recipe. Kale chips. Ingredient. Okay. Then the ingredient list is just one bunch of kale stems removed. And that's like a big like bar across the top of the page, like just one ingredient in this recipe. Wow. Okay. Here's the first step. Preheat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Tear the, okay. tear the kale leaves into smaller pieces and place them in the mixing bowl. Add olive oil, salt, pepper, paprika, dried parsley, dried basil, dried thyme, and dried sage. Hold on. <laughs> to taste. Come on. What the heck? You've lied. Yeah. That's just Yep. Yeah. That why? <laughs> I have a recipe that is only four. Oh, I know the one you mean. You know the one I mean? Well, that one's actually good. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. No-bake key lime pie. Oh, I was thinking of a different one. Oh. Now well, I have to hear both. Yeah. You go well, the no-bake key lime pie is you get a graham cracker crust from the grocery store. That's, that's one. That still only counts as one. <laughs> I'm starting to rethink. Uh, there's that. There's uh, uh, a tub of Cool Whip. Also, only one. 
There's a can of sweetened condensed milk. And then there's a pre-prepared key lime pie from the store. <laughs> no, and then there's key lime juice. And that's it. And you whip up that filling together, and then you pour it into the crust, and then you stick it in the fridge I mean, for I'm, hours. I'm sure it's delicious. It sounds great. Oh, yeah. It is good. It's good. I was thinking of the ice cream you used to make. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, the ice cream was a good one. That was what? It's peanut like peanut butter, butter, cream, eggs, cream, and sugar, I think. eggs, and sugar, I think, was yeah. it. And then you just whipped it up. You'd pour it into a metal pan and put it in the freezer. And then, like, a two hours-ish later, you'd take a fork and you'd whip it again. And then the next day, you had ice cream. That was some heavy ice cream. Oh, man, it was Yeah, the, good. the quantity of eggs. I think it was, like, <laughs> six eggs and, like... One of the really small containers of uh, of cream, and then like a cup of peanut butter. Yeah, that was some serious ice it was cream. Intense. So I, I want to read another recipe from this recipe book. Oh yeah. Here's a recipe for pad thai. The four ingredients are boneless, skinless chicken breasts, right. one large egg, uh, tamarind paste, and bean sprouts. What would you say is missing from this? List. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with noodles for a hundred, Trebek. Pad. <laughs> uh what would you, so the first step is place the desired amount of noodles in a baking dish. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It, how much do, what? Who wrote this? This isn't even a recipe. I so my my theory the recipes actually look legit. They just aren't four ingredient recipes. They have more yeah. Like and and they don't list the ingredients up front because the gimmick of the book is that they only have four recipes and that four four ingredients and that's a lie. Yeah, that sucks, man. Just lied to. You. I mean, that's so infuriating because you know what people do when they want to try a new recipe? They look at the ingredient list and they go to the store. Yep. Angry I would be if I got <laughs> home and it was like here's ten other ingredients that we just didn't tell you about. Yep. Yeah. My my theory is that the author of this book cut a deal with a publisher to come up with a list of re like a hundred easy recipes that are only four ingredients. Couldn't do it and had to figure <laughs> out like how am I going to deliver this? I signed a contract. <laughs> Well, you got to do like what I was talking about, where, you know, pre-made graham cracker crust only counts as one. <laughs> right. That's, that's really the catch, I think, is that the they all have to be things that you can buy already put together at the grocery store. Like, Sloppy Joes are technically just Sloppy Joe mix yeah. in a can, a bun, and some ground meat. That's only three ingredients. Yep. But... Sloppy Joe mix. It's because somebody did all the ingredients for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, so yeah, you'd have recipes like you know, remove cookie dough from tube and dip yeah. in Cool Whip. <laughs> I bet you there's a recipe that's like, okay, the four ingredients are a pad of paper, a pencil, and a telephone. <laughs> Write down what you want to order from Taco Bell. <laughs> Give them a call. Oh, the fourth ingredient is your car. <laughs> Gasoline for your car. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Hopefully you got the car from the dealer with the gas already in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Sounds like we're ready for another topic. So I was going to say, do you want to hear some hateful things? Yes, let's hear. So your topic, Shannon, is... Actually, why don't you read it? Because I'm not sure how to pronounce this person's name. Yeah, it, it's uh, based on a book, I guess, written by Say Shonagon, who was a courtesan who lived in Heian period uh, Japan in the royal court, who was, that would have been like around 1,000 something-ish. In any case, she apparently was gifted um, a book, as in a book, a bunch of blank paper and writing instruments. Uh, paper was fairly expensive at the time. The book was actually a gift to her, uh, to the Empress, I believe. But the Empress was like, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, you, you get to have it. Write whatever you want in it. And so she did. Yeah. Uh, which resulted in the pillow book, which is just 
literally random stuff that she wanted to write about. And one of the things she really liked to do was make lists of things. She was really into listicles. <laughs> uh, she would make all kinds of lists of like things that she thought were pretty or things that she was nostalgic for or whatever. And the, my favorite list is uh, the list of hateful things, which are things that she just doesn't like. Just stuff she's just just annoys her. Right, the, um, the ancestor of the modern list of worst video games listicles. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, and some of her, you know, some of the things she writes about that she likes are actually very like artful. Like one of the examples was like um, the way s- the snow looks on the village, on the roofs of the village under moonlight, and specifically remarking that like the commoners can't appreciate it because they're never high up enough to look down on the houses or whatever. Uh. But I wanted to, if you'll indulge me, read an excerpt of hateful things, her list of things she finds hateful. Specifically, this one is one where I have shortened it to things that I find relatable. Okay, yeah, go for it. Uh, When one is in a hurry to leave, but one's visitor keeps chattering away, if it is someone of no importance, one can get rid of him by saying, you must tell me all about it next time. But should it be the sort of visitor whose presence commands one's best behavior, the situation is hateful indeed. (laughs) A man who has nothing in particular to recommend him discusses all sorts of subjects at random, as though he knew everything. It sounds familiar. Old people can really be quite shameless. (laughs) That's the whole item. Uh, She says a lot about how they put their feet up on braziers, and that's gross to her. Oh, yeah. When one has been foolish enough to invite a man to spend the night in an unsuitable place, and then he starts snoring. (laughs) (laughs) A gentleman has visited one secretly. Though he is wearing a tall, lacquered hat, he nevertheless wants no one to see him. He is so flurried, in fact, that on leaving, he bangs into something with his hat. Most hateful. Indeed, (laughs) one's attachment to a man depends largely on the elegance of his leave-taking. Wow. That that feels like vague posting. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, it was fairly common for people's lovers to just sort of show up uh, in the wee hours and be very secretive about it, except that we were... They were in a palace where all the walls were made of paper, so it was just sort of a, everybody knew what was going on, and you would hear your neighbors having these little rendezvous all the dang time. You just have to pretend, everybody would pretend that they didn't hear it, yeah. Exactly, yes. Hmm. A carriage passes by with a nasty creaking noise. Annoying to think that the passengers may not even be aware of this. If I am traveling in someone's carriage and I hear it creaking, I dislike not only the noise of the carriage, but of the owner. <laughs> Dang. Get your busted-ass carriage out of here. Yeah, they haven't just, invented a WD-40 yet. It makes me think of people who drive by without mufflers <laughs> or those loud motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. A man with whom one is having an affair keeps singing the praises of some woman he used to know. Even if it is a thing of the past, this can be very annoying. How much more so if he is still seeing the woman? (laughs) Considerably more so. A person who recites a spell himself after sneezing. In fact, I detest anyone who sneezes, except the master of this house. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I assume they mean somebody who sneezes and then goes, oh, bless me. Right, yeah. I don't know. Reciting a spell sounds pretty cool. I mean that that's basically what's happening. Yeah, I suppose. But 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 also like hating everybody who sneezes is uh that's pretty intense. Yeah. Except the master of this house. <laughs> right, of course. Of course that's permissible. You probably read this book. Yeah. I cannot stand people who leave without closing the panel behind them. <laughs> Close the door. Sometimes a person who is utterly devoid of charm will try to create a good impression by using very elegant language, yet he succeeds only in being ridiculous. Yeah. A man who has nothing in particular to recommend him, but who speaks in an affected tone and poses as being elegant. (laughs) Sometimes one greatly dislikes a person for no particular reason, 
And then that person goes and does something hateful. <laughs> wow. When one is about to be told some interesting piece of news and a baby starts crying. No. <laughs> an admirer has come on a clandestine visit, but a dog catches sight of him and starts barking. <laughs> Fleas, too, are very hateful. When they dance about under someone's clothes, they really seem to be lifting them up. Rude. When one has gone to bed, this one I find the most relatable of all. When one has gone to bed and is about to doze off, when a mosquito appears, announcing himself in a reedy voice, one can actually feel the wind made by his wings, and slight though it is, one finds it hateful in the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> True fact. That little feeling of the by yeah. your ear. Yeah, that's, that's, that's his reedy voice that he announces himself with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she captured it so well. Yeah, a thousand years ago. Oh, yeah, a thousand years ago, people were upset by the reedy voice. And, of course, by men talking about things they know nothing about. <laughs> and banging their lacquered hats <laughs> on their way out the door. That's right. Which they don't close behind them. <laughs> now, not all of the things on the list were as relatable. She also complains a lot about when you're trying to get the exorcist to come and help cure someone who is ill, but he's up so late that he starts falling asleep in the middle of his exorcism. <sighs> don't you hate it, man? <laughs> So, not all of them translate to the modern day, but I am particularly delighted by those that do. I want to know about these lacquered hats. Yeah. So, you've probably, like, seen images of this. It was a common thing in China, too. It's those really tall, thin hats that, like, a diplomat-type person would be wearing. Do you know what I... Well, I'm about to do a hand gesture. The yeah. one that looks like a big swooping, like, curly thing. <laughs> I'm... Not I'm... Like, ball box. Like, think, like... Like, we saw some in Korea. They're like a tall, thin box. I'm gonna have to look it up. I don't know what this hat looks like. Well, don't bang it on the <laughs> screen door when you're coming in and out. She had a lot. I mean, there were a lot about men not being quiet after <laughs> they'd had sex with you when they were leaving. Right. Well, she's not allowed to complain about the actual sex part, so. Anyway, I find it delightful that she wrote that that the circumstances happened, that she had access to the materials to write down these very mundane things that, like, I mean, I don't think a lot of people at the time would have used these resources to do this, um, except that she had, you know, been given this as a gift by the Empress and instructed to write whatever she wanted. So we end up with some, I don't know, observations that I think we wouldn't have normally gotten from that long ago. Yeah, yeah. The the page that you that we're that I'm looking at that had the excerpt of the list of hateful things uh, calls the pillow book a Japanese classic, and it's basically yeah. somebody's diary. Yeah. It's just somebody's diary. Um, and another interesting note on that is uh, like the one of the first novelizations we have is like the Tale of Genji, which is also uh, from a similar period of time, also written by a Japanese woman. Uh, almost all of the like interesting literature we have out of japan at that time is written by women and apparently the reason for this is that at that time women and men basically spoke a different language the official court language was chinese and men were expected to speak and write in chinese whereas women were expected to speak and write in japanese which oh. meant only hiragana not not uh not kanji the the Chinese characters. And so as a result, it's not that men weren't keeping diaries or writing stuff down. They were just writing it in not their first language. So it wasn't very good. <laughs> it was just kind of, or very official, you know, just for the purpose it was to be written in. So all of the actually interesting poetry and prose that you get tends to be from women because they were writing in their own native language and could be more eloquent. I just thought that was interesting. That is really interesting, yeah. It's a very strange custom. Yeah, and, and I don't know, like, to what extent, like, how communication worked 
between the sexes exactly. I, I mean, I, I know that the men would have then spoken Japanese, I'm sure, in private with the women, but I, I don't know if that meant that women were functionally barred from bureaucratic and higher level things. If oh, they didn't yeah, that that would make sense as why the why that would be the custom then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Um, but it's just sort of ultimately created a situation where some of the stuff we have out of that time is more stuff like this, uh, more prose based and more from a, a female perspective as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to like think of what it would be like today, and I can't really think of a good example. Um, You're hired to run Joe Biden's Twitter. Kind of, yeah. You're just, I mean, yeah. Kind or like if something. at the dawn of like the beginning of, you know, recording voices or something, if somebody had just been like, here's a gift of a voice recorder, and they were like, okay, cool, give it to my servant and tell her she can do whatever she wants with it. That's yeah. basically what it was what it was just this weird boon yeah and also uh, you kind of have to use it because the empress gave it to you so you need to be using it to show your appreciation which i wonder if that wasn't why so many things are lists is because she went oh my god i have to write in this book yeah yeah and that's all the time we have for topic lords oh alex if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet you'll never find me Except on the Topic Lords Discord. And Shannon, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Only in the list of hateful things when one has to finish a podcast and one would rather keep chatting with their friends. Oh, we're going to keep chatting. I'm just going to stop the recording. Ha! Ah! More for us. Listeners, you get none of this juicy content. What topics will we come up with? (laughs) Thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having us. Anytime. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!